Welcome to Life Decoded. Hi, I'm Nancy Mendez. I believe every life is a story to the world, so make sure it's inspiring. Through my podcast, I'd like to bring to life inspiring stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. So let's embark on this journey to get informed and inspired. Today on my podcast, I have an 18-year-old Megan Pereira who has an inspiring story to share with us. Hey, hi Megan. Welcome to my podcast, Life Decoded. And it's a pleasure to have you. So let's begin. Yeah, yeah, let's okay. begin. Thank you for having me. Okay. Uh, so Megan, let's start off by asking how old are you? And can you tell us which grade are you and what kind of studies are you pursuing? Yeah, so I'm 18 years old. I'm turning 19 this year, which is exciting, but kind of scary at the same time. Uh, I'm in first year university, so I'm studying at McGill University. I'm doing um, an economics major, and I'm still kind of deciding on a minor. I'm thinking about political science, but not totally sure yet. Okay, good to know that. And uh, you said you're a little scared. Is it scared because of the pandemic or is it just scared because of your studies? I think it's a culmination of a lot of things. Um, I think I'm at this very strange point in life where you have to sort of say goodbye to your childhood a little bit and embrace some more adulthood and some more changes coming my way. Obviously going to university was a big one, but kind of living alone and you know working on my own and trying to deal with all these different things coming at me at once is I think a universal experience for people my age but I think it's something that we just don't talk about enough okay so it's just that you you're not living in that environment where you were with your parents or your siblings and now you're just on your own so and I think the pandemic is also is adding more to the stress I guess right oh yeah for sure like I think like right now I was supposed to be going to you know, classes in person and doing a lot of things in person. A big part of growing up is being able to like meet new people and new friends and everything. And a lot of that is just halted right now. So I think it's a very common thing, even with my friends too, to not exactly be like totally sure with where we are in life right now. There's a lot of uncertainty, but I think we're doing a good job um, at navigating it now. So I guess that's an upside. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just thrown at you and, you know, you just have to step up to the plate. Yes, for sure. So let's get to something that I've seen personally, mm-hmm. and I've heard that you have inherent leadership qualities. Could you tell us at what age you started heading projects as a leader and which all projects did you head? All right. I was a very, I think I was quite shy as a kid, to be honest, and I'm not exactly sure where um, that sort of mark was, if there was a certain like age in my life where things started to shift. Um, I think maybe around high school, I think is a, is a good place to put it at. I had a very good support system of friends and teachers and, and mentors. And I think that's a very, very big part in being an effective leader and also having the courage and, and, having the outlook to start doing something like that. Um, So I basically started off with class elections. So I was elected class president, grade nine. I 
reelected in grade 10. And during that period, I did a, a lot of very small scale kind of projects, whether it's um, just representing my grade, just making their voices heard. I was also like debate team captain <laughs> and just, just leading very um, minor sort of things. Uh, in grade 11 and 12, I was elected uh, student body president. So I was able to sort of take what I was doing, put it a step further and just represent um, my school at the school board level, which was you know, very, very exciting for me. Um, and I guess throughout all of that, I just realized how much I enjoyed being a part of something that was just a little bit bigger than myself and being able to see how things sort of worked behind the scenes. So I think that was like my key experiences. But I think at that age, at such a young age, because you're, you said you're turning 19. So, yeah. you know, at the, at the grade of what, nine, you you started doing all these leadership uh, initiatives and you know working towards doing stuff which actually enhances your uh, ability to do all these things which is a good thing to start off i also know that you moved countries because of yeah, your parents uh, living abroad so you had to move countries so how does how did that play a role in going towards whatever you wanted to do as a leader what the, was yeah, there a challenge so, in that or was it okay? Like, yeah, go ahead. So sorry. I, yeah, sorry. I spent, I guess I spent my life between uh, just Dubai and, and Canada and just going back and forth with that all. I was kind of too young to remember moving to Canada. I moved here when I was three. Um, and I guess that whole time I was just very comfortable. I sort of lived in Canada up until I was 11 and I was just very comfortable with where I lived and the school that I went to and the friends that I had I really felt like everything was perfect everything was was kind of static in a way and then I moved to Dubai and you know when you move to a completely new country with just new friends and new people and completely different environment definitely at the age of 11 12 sort of it's feels like the world is ending. It feels like everything around you is shattering, even though today looking back, it might not have been as big a deal as I thought it was. But I was sort of just shifted into this state of discomfort, into this disequilibrium almost. And um, I think because of that, I started to see things uh, in a bit of a different way. I started to um, you know, making friends was more of an initiative for me than it had been before, because now these aren't my childhood friends. I needed to step up and actively make those connections and actively make those connections with my new teachers and everything. And I think I was overcompensating for that a little bit and became more extroverted and just more receptive to change than I was before and I think that's what gave me the confidence to start with leadership and and things and various initiatives like that because if I could move across the world and still be in one piece then honestly what could be much worse than that so that's kind of the perspective that I took on which is a good thing because it's very difficult when somebody's uprooted from the place that you are so complacent mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden you're put it put into some other environment and how you navigate yeah. there and it shaped you I it worked to the benefit of you uh, you know how you are right now which is a mm -hmm. plus 
Okay. Besides this, <laughs> you mentioned that you did some leadership projects at school. Besides this, do you have any other volunteering projects under your belt? And could you tell us more about this experience? Yeah. So in high school, I always wanted to be able to volunteer abroad. It wasn't very, I mean, at the time I was living in Dubai um, and it wasn't very easy to volunteer within Dubai because that's just, it's just not really a big part of the culture there. And it's not very um, well known there to go and volunteer. And so I, you know, decided to volunteer in India and I reached out, you know, to my mom and, and her connections and just the people that I knew around me. And I was eventually linked with uh, Sri Krishnasharan School. And I, yeah, the summer after grade 11, I went to India and I volunteered at that school um, basically over the summer. I taught English and some social studies. I lived on campus with the students and it was honestly a life-changing experience, which seems a little bit cliche to say because I mean everyone who goes and volunteers abroad tells you that it's a life-changing experience, but it really shifted my perspective, not just on things like poverty, but also just female empowerment and education in general. I noticed a lot of gaps in education that I have taken for granted a lot in my life. And so, yeah, I mean, there's there was definitely a lot to unpack from just that one volunteer experience. So you said you went to Sri Krishna Sharanashram. Where, whereabouts in India yeah. is this place? Uh, so this is in Birur uh, in Karnataka. Um, it's this very tiny town. I've never heard of it. My parents have never heard of it before. It's around maybe four hours from where my grandma lives in India. And so I had never remotely ever been in that kind of place before. But it honestly, it exceeded my expectations. It, it's a very rural area but it's it was just so clean I just remember the streets just being so clean no trash anywhere at all especially the railway station which looking back it's a funny thing to remark but when a lot of people think of India they think they think of it as this one densely populated polluted place with trash everywhere and all kinds of smells but really this was just it was just a very rural environment the weather was perfect It, it it just felt I mean it didn't feel like a vacation for sure because I was working every single day but it felt refreshing it felt nourishing I guess for the soul in a way okay I understand that this is in a in a tiny town you said and it could be a rural Mm -hmm. setting and something out of your comfort zone you may have encountered some challenges what were they and how did you overcome them yeah so a lot of it had to do with the accommodation that I was set up with. Um, It's definitely not comparable to, you know, my queen sized bed or my own bathroom or anything like that. Um, I mean, the bed was pretty much like a plank with like maybe a blanket folded over twice. And I have a few like protruding bones on my body, like on my shoulders and stuff. And so those were like bruised by the end of those, of those days. And I remember the first few days, it's just my back was just aching, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, even like the bathrooms aren't really like what I was used to Um, like I had to manually flush the toilet every single time 
forget about a shower head or anything like that. Um, it was the good old like bucket and mug old fashioned way. And I guess, but I did get like this nice little room to myself. I was very worried about like mosquitoes and bugs and things like that. Like that's one thing I definitely can't handle, but because the weather was so good, the time of the year was so cooperative. I didn't really have to worry about that. But I did get all my shots before I went there. Um, and I guess just waking up very early in the mornings, working all day, you know, practically from the moment I wake up to the moment I go to bed and doing that every single day, I thought it would be very monotonous. I thought I would get sick of it. But really, it's just every day just came with new expectations, new things to look forward to. You got to see these kids progress. You got to see them um, get more confident in English and public speaking and the like. And so that was really nice. There was change every single day. There was something new. And as the days went by, I just got more used to my living conditions. They didn't really seem like a big deal anymore. So you handled your challenges very well. I mean, you looked at it in the positive way and you kind of mm -hmm. went with the flow. That's a good thing because you kind of shifted your mindset from what you were raised as yeah. and you had to go. Through. Besides mm -hmm. uh, taking on leadership and volunteer activities, what other hobbies do you pursue? Yeah, so I recently have really got into writing. Um, I mean, I used to be quite a prolific writer when I was younger, but it was things like writing in a diary or a journal or something. Um, I never took it very seriously because I guess the mindset around me was that, you know, writing doesn't pay the bills or, you know, things like that. You know, it's more important to be math and science oriented and, and things like that. My parents were, had a very open outlook just in general. They didn't really care what I was doing just as long as I had fun doing it. But I think it's just the competitive nature of, of school and things like that, that shifts your focus to do other things. But especially last summer, there was a pandemic and I mean, there still is now, but I had a lot of time to myself, a lot of introspection and naturally I sort of just got better and better at writing. Um, and now I write for the school newspaper um, at McGill University. I'm an opinion staff writer there. Um, I've recently picked up writing for this other news outlet called India Blooms. Um, I only have one article with them so far, but um, it's definitely something that I want to get into a lot more than I am now. And I never thought that I'd be able to do it so fluidly, but you know, here, I, here I am now, kind of just proof that just practice, practice, practice always makes things better. Yeah. So is there any kind of training that you went for your writing skills? Um, not, not really, I guess. Well, I did, um, I did start like this little cookie blog on the side um, over the pandemic. I got really into baking. I feel like a lot of people did, but I started taking pictures of them, posting them online. And then after a while, I thought, you know, instead of just leaving a boring caption for my photos every single time, you know, let's do something about that. You know, let's get more involved with what's going on in the world. And let's start fueling a discussion. It, I think that was around the time where the first like initial Black Lives Matter movement um, came into fruition around May. Um, and I remember, you know, talking about that. It was a very big thing on social media as well. And after that, I just started talking about a lot of social issues. And the beauty of Instagram is that it's not really big. It's just a paragraph or so. And 
I kind of tricked myself into practicing and writing more. And eventually when I moved on campus um, and joined uh, the Bull and Bear, which is a, a news platform that we have at McGill, um, it was just kind of the same thing that I was already doing, just longer and I guess a little bit more detailed. And um, it, it just felt like a very natural progression for sure. I didn't sort of wake up one morning and roll myself in a course and move on. It, it was just very natural to me. It kind of just fell into place, I guess. Yeah, I have read some of your articles and blogs and also your mm -hmm. Instagram stories. And I really uh, not only enjoyed reading, but I also got an insight into the mind of what another person's perspective about things around you. And I enjoyed it. Uh, I know you're still young, but what would you tell your younger self? Maybe something you would have wanted to do differently or something you would have wanted to do. Right. Um, I mean, yeah, you're right. I am still young and I don't really know if the current version of myself is really good at giving advice to a past version, but I think I would just say, you know, don't hesitate and just go into it. I think there are a lot of things that I was qualified to do that I didn't do just because I thought I wasn't good enough um, or just because I was intimidated by the people around me when in reality, I should have just did it and I should have just done it unapologetically, right? Um, and so I feel like I missed out on a lot of opportunities because I mean, I'm fortunate to be able to have so many opportunities in the first place for sure. But I think I just missed out on a lot of that just because I underestimated myself and I wasn't very confident in myself. And it's a very common theme for people like me, I guess, female women of color to not go into a lot of things just because they don't feel like they're adequate enough to do it. Um, and I kind of wish I mean, it's great that we're noticing that now and we're talking about that more now, but around five, six years ago, that wasn't really the case. And so I kind of wish I had mentors like that to, um, you know, look ahead on. Yeah. You're still young, so you have a long way to go, but uh, you realize oh, yeah, early on. Sure. <laughs> so you realize early yeah. <laughs> on that you, you missed out on something, but you're going to make up for it. That's a good thing. So yeah. what I would like to ask you, what are your future life goals now? Oh, wow. That's very loaded, <laughs> that's question. very loaded question. Oh yeah, for sure. I feel like, I feel like the past version of myself had a better idea of what my future self wanted to do more than, you know, the version of myself right now. I feel like, you know, at 15, 16, I had a very clear roadmap of my life. Like, you know, this is what I want to do. You know, um, this is everything that I want to happen. But then I think after the pandemic happened, I realized how sort of unpredictable everything is. And I realized that there's a lot of people around me who had a structure and then just watched it all fall apart within the span of months. And so now I kind of just think, you know, in the future, I just want to be happy. I just want to be um, able to do what I like to do. I want to be able to, you know, work for something that I like to do. Um, you know, I want to sort of live to work uh, instead of just work to live, if that makes sense. And so um, I'm still quite set on law school. I want to be a lawyer eventually, maybe something um, more into the corporate sense. Obviously, I, I am an economics major now, so I think that would be a good intersection. But 
you know, I, I'm not really opposed to anything. I think at this age, it's really important to just try out as many things as possible to see where it fits because I could be having, you know, like a position in the future that may not even exist yet or something that I may not even be able to think of yet. And so I'm keeping a very, very, very open mind. Um, I think compared to, I guess, when I was a bit younger, yeah. I hear you because, you know, uh, this pandemic actually changed so many things for everyone. Nobody would have thought yeah. maybe two years before, like we would end up being in this situation and people have even changed their business structure and the way they perform themselves in a different way. So they say change is mm -hmm. constant. And uh, what you said is truly right. Like right now is to focus on whatever comes your way, take it as a challenge and overcome it and do what you would like to do best and be happy about it. Yeah. <laughs> do you do you emulate anyone and why? I really don't. I a lot of people, you know, ask me like, oh, like who do you look up to? Do you have any role models? And I think now with social media, we're kind of realizing that all of our role models aren't really great people to begin with. There isn't one person that I think it's important to emulate. I think it's just a, a collection of multiple people picking the traits that you like. Um in each person. And so if I look up, to, you know, to my mom, I love the way that she's able to, you know, create connections and that, I guess that emotional intelligence that she has with people, I really appreciate that in her. Um, but then, you know, I could turn around and say, oh, I like, you know, the way that this politician argues her policies, or I like the way that, you know, this person has an outlook on life when it comes to learning. And so there's no one person um, that I like to emulate. There's traits that I like to emulate, but not a person because I feel like no one, no one's perfect, obviously. I'm yeah, not that, sure if that's that, the best that's, approach that's, for me. Yeah, that's, that's a very good way of looking at things. You become a mm -hmm. trendsetter and you do things uh, emulating all different kinds of behavioral patterns or different good points about somebody. And you just make your own way of uh, looking at things or the way or shaping your own self. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I know we are coming to the end of our interview. So what would you like mm -hmm. to give a motivational message to our listeners? Uh, the reason you're on this podcast, mm -hmm. because I felt that you are very inspiring. Uh, youngsters like who are also, they, they, they want to get inspired. So what kind of message would you like to give them? I think everyone has that one thing that they've always wanted to do, or this one thing that's on their bucket list, something that, you know, before I die, this is what I need to accomplish. And I think there's no better time to do it than now. So definitely take risks. Sometimes I wish I could take my own advice, to be honest, but take risks. Obviously, don't succumb yourself to thousands of dollars in debt in the process. But just, you know, if you're looking for a sign to do something that will really make you happy, if it's a career change or if it's something, I'd say just do it. Obviously, I don't know what everyone's situation is, but there is always something, some kind of change that you can make right now. And the only thing that's stopping you is your mindset. And so if you change that, you can probably be inviting some much needed change that's going to throw you in some discomfort, but the end process I think would be so worth it. Thank you very much, Megan. It was wonderful to have you on my podcast and I look forward to seeing <laughs> yeah, the older here. self of you. All right. Thank you so much. That was an amazing story. To hear more such inspiring stories, 
log on to my website lifedecoded.com that's l-i-f-e-d-c-o-d-e-d.com and subscribe rate and review this podcast listen anytime and anywhere on spotify google podcast apple podcast castbox breaker overcast pocketcast and radio public until next time stay safe and inspired.